The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio you can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com i think this may be the, the very first time in the sequel cast where anyone has written off a movie as a complete waste of time but if any movie's going to earn it of all the things we've seen uh it would probably be this unambitious sequel <laughs> There was a podcast called the Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called movies. Movies. It's the Sequel Cast. Oh yeah, the Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast where you look at movies in a franchise, one movie at a time. I am your host, Uncle Milkshake. We are at the end of our run of looking at Karate Kid pictures with The Next Karate Kid, which was released in 1994, directed by Christopher Kane, written by Mark Lee, and it um it starred Hilary Swank as the uh, the titular Next Karate Kid instead of Ralph Macchio, who had been the Karate Kid in Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. Although you still have, of course, Pat Morita as Miyagi. With me is Thrasher. Howdy, everybody. And we're only doing uh, having two hosts for this episode instead of the usual three or uh, four. Cause, um, do I hear five? Rose. Five, uh, that'd be quite the feat. Six, do I hear six? No, no, no. no okay. Six, six <laughs> might be. Six is a crowd. Uh, so... Before we start talking about Next Karate Kid, I uh, want to mention you can visit the website at uh, sequelcast.com, or if you go to uh, sequelcast.tumblr.com, that's another site for sequelcast that has more like news on uh, current movie sequels and development. And if you look on Facebook, we got a sequelcast page on there, and of course we have an email, sequelcast at gmail.com. And if you listen to cascadia.fm, you can hear us live Wednesdays at uh, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. Now that all that plugging is out of the way, uh, one last shout-out. Uh, on our Facebook sequel cast uh, page, if you just go to Facebook and look up sequel cast, we'll pop up. Uh, we have a, a fan on there. I don't want to give his full name uh, for privacy reasons, but his name is Andrew. And he was suggesting some movies we could do in future episodes, uh, all of which were, were pretty good ideas. He wanted to know how to get a hold of old episodes, and you can do that just by going to sequelcast.com or looking for sequel cast on iTunes. But he was suggesting that we, in the future, we could look at movies like in the Alien series, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, or uh, Dune. And uh, Dune in particular, I think, could be interesting, because you could look at the uh, David Lynch movie and then look at the uh, Dune and Children of Dune sci-fi channel miniseries. Yeah, but which version of the David Lynch movie? Um, yeah, that's that's a question, isn't it? Because that had a... I don't know if you call it a director's cut, because David Lynch took his name off that version. Well... Yeah, there's there's the theatrical version, a director's cut. There's also a TV cut that will sometimes circulate on cable that has a, an even different collection of footage. Right. So I mean, Dune. Uh, but I mean, that those series of books I think are very interesting. And um, at one point they were trying to make a version of it pretty recently, but it sort of fell through. Uh, and Andrew was also suggesting the uh, Cube series of movies. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually yeah. going through that series with my girlfriend right now. 
Now, is it just uh, cube one and two and cube zero? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, that's the that's the entirety of the series so far. I see. Okay. Um, let me look at one thing really quick for research. So, uh, next Karate Kid. You know, this one came out five years after Karate Kid three, so not a huge gap. Well, I think I think it's worth pointing out though yeah. that it took five years to get Karate Kid one, two, and three. That's true, right? So in the you know this this is this yeah. is a very weird late revival of the franchise. Even though it's a late revival, I'd almost say they were trying to reboot it. I mean, Next Karate Kid is clearly intended to be the start of another. I don't know if it's trilogy, but you know, series of movies. And it's obviously something that didn't take off. You never saw the next Karate Kid 2 or the Karate Kid after next or whatever they call it. As a, uh, Sundry Karate Kids. The Karate Daughter. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Son of the Daughter of the Karate Kid. And it's really interesting um, looking at the next Karate Kid compared to the Karate Kid Part 3. Because I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I know which one I like less, but neither of them I thought were very good. Uh but I, I guess to start on a positive note, I will say <laughs> in uh, Next Karate Kid, uh, Pat Morita seems very happy to be playing Miyagi again. He gives a very relaxed performance. You can tell he's very comfortable playing this character, uh, this well, being his fourth time doing it. I, I think I think it's a, it's a role. I think it is a role he likes. I think it is like it's this and Arnold from Happy Days, assuming I just got his name of his Happy Days character right, uh, those are these are the two roles he's known for. It's got to be wonderful slipping back into that role, and it's also got to be wonderful to just plain be working. Now on the Karate Kid uh, three episode, I'm trying to recall. Did I tell you what I found out that Pat Morita wanted to do for a last Karate Kid movie? No, I believe you said you were going to save it for this episode. I see. So <laughs> I'm saving it for this one. Okay. So I was researching and found an interview with the Ralph Macchio who played you know Daniel in the first three movies. And he said he got to be a good personal friend with Pat Morita, who played Miyagi. And uh, Pat Morita always said he, before he died he wanted to do a final Karate Kid film in which the character of Miyagi would die and would be given a Okinawan-style uh, funeral. Mm. And, you know, no details other than that. But um, I assume it would be something with Ralph Macchio, you know, becoming the next Karate Master or something. I don't know. Well, you know, it's it's if you don't mind a tangent, it's funny you mention that. Yeah. Um, okay, back in the back in the uh, early '90s, like '91, may I, it may have even been. And I swear I'm not making this up. Wolfman Jack had his own cartoon show. The uh, DJ in California. Yeah, yeah, the D, the DJ okay. uh, Wolfman Jack, and uh, sometimes pimp, wink, wink. He well the. The short of, yeah, he had his own TV show, and part of the show, there'd be like a live-action host segment hosted by him, then there'd be the actual cartoon, and then it would be sort of like, there'd be sort of a wrap-up, but the wrap-up would have like show business news for some reason. Hmm. But then again, you know, Wolfman Jack could sell anything over the radio, including chickens, uh, if, if anyone's listened to that clip knows, but... There was one of the showbiz news segments. They were talking about a planned, uh, a planned Karate Kid, and that that was the thing that, that Miyagi was supposed to get. Like, uh, he, he wasn't just going to die. Like, the movie was going to be all about his death. He was going to have some sort of like degenerative condition or like a rapid aging disease, and so the, the movie was like just going to follow his preparations for death and, and passing on the secrets of Miyagi martial arts. 
Hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting. So maybe that's what Ralph Macchio was referring to. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I think that would be better than the, the next Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, See I, I was... Master's Gentle Decline. I was thinking, you know, they, they're uh, in development on a sequel to the Karate Kid remake uh, that, you know, that starred Jaden Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Will Smith's son, and uh, Jackie Chan in the Miyagi part. Um, and uh, I haven't seen that yet. We're not going to cover that on the sequel cast, simply because it's something they're going to be making a sequel to. And also, uh, I think we're getting a bit karate kitted out uh, after four shows. Yes, it's difficult. Uh, viewers, I don't know if you've ever picked this up, but like, it's difficult to get past the third film on a lot of these sagas. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we do, the we do it for you, listeners. We all do it for you. Uh, but um, <laughs> anyway, I was thinking what they could do as the plot for you know the Karate Kid 2 or whatever they call it. What if the... Jackie Chan, the new Miyagi. I, I realize this character isn't called Miyagi in the new movie, but um, what I, I'll just call him Miyagi to be easy. So what if what if Jackie Chan, the the teacher, falls, gets a bump in his head, he forgets all his karate uh, his karate teachings, and so the kid has to teach the master how to do karate again before the big tournament. Yeah, before some be. tournament. That sounds like a outlandish enough plot that it could be a Karate Kid sequel. Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking it'll be called Karate Kid 2, but 2 spelled T-O-O, and um, the kid's younger sister from America will move in, played by Will Smith's daughter, <laughs> and Smith. she'll also yeah. be taught martial arts, and there'll be a sibling <laughs> rivalry. That could be. That could, uh, that could be the case. Anyway, back to next Karate Kid. Uh, you know, if you thought we had trouble thinking about things to say during the Karate Kid 3 episode... This episode, I, I think, will be even harder. But um, the beginning makes a fair attempt, I would say, at trying to come up with a good reason of why Miyagi has to teach a, a girl karate. So it, it starts off with military music. And I do want to point out, uh, aside from Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi, you have uh, the music by Bill Conti, who did the music for the uh, previous Karate Kid pictures. And those are the only real linking things you have to the uh, other Karate Kid movies. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. but uh, and, and the music, I think, he, he does the same sort of Karate Kid uh, elite motifs as in the other movies, and it works fine. I don't think it's anything great. but um, So it starts off, Miyagi is going to Boston to attend a sort of, uh, I guess, like an, a, com- a commendation ceremony. For Japanese-American soldiers in the 442nd Regimental Combat Team during World War II. And this is the same uh, thing that Miyagi talks about in his famous uh, drunken monologue in the original Karate Kid. And in it, you find out that he had a friend uh, named Jack Pierce, a a white man that was a a friend of his as he served in World War II. And um, and he he has died, I guess, of natural causes, I'm not sure. And he meets up with the the widow, because that's who he's staying with, I think. Presumably, yes. And it turns out the uh, the widow of Jack Pierce, Louisa Pierce, uh, played by Constant Towers, is a she is the grandmother to a girl whose uh, both parents have died, and that girl is Julie Pierce, played by Hilary Swank. Exactly. Thank you. So you look at. Hilary Swank, and um, let's look this up. So when she did this movie, this was 94, so she was like 20, 19 or 20 when she made this movie. And um, 
So this is before she was nominated for an Oscar for Girls Who Don't Cry, a mere five years later. And um, I don't know. I've never found Hilary Swank attractive. I I actually did. And, and I, I saw this movie, I think, on, on VHS the year after it came out. And, and that was... She was really the only thing I felt was worth watching in this film. Uh, I... I started becoming a film snob really, really young, but I remember be, being like, gosh, when that would be, uh, I remember being, being uh, 14, 15, and, well, this is very trite. Oh, Hilary Swank. I do recall when this was in theaters, and I, I almost went to see it, but I didn't because, you know, I was like a, a middle school boy, you often have that feeling, oh, a girl's in it, I don't want to see it. Well, maybe you did, I don't <laughs> Okay, that's what that's what I thought as a middle school boy. I was a uh, very stuffy, and I was like, "Oh, it doesn't have Daniel San. This isn't a real Karate Kid movie." You and your Victorian morals. Yes, with next Karate Kid, Hilary Swank as Julie Pierce plays it as a really uh, typical teenage girl, very very whiny. I think she's more moody than most because both of her parents are dead. That that's actually something that I kind of uh, take issue with. Yeah. It's like her her parents being dead seems very forced. It seems like the only reason her parents are dead are so that there aren't two more actors they're going to have to hire, and so they can just cram her in a house with her grandmother. I think it would have been totally natural if Miyagi had... had uh, I, I guess what I would have done if I had been writing this is I would have had Miyagi going to uh, going to Lieutenant Pierce's funeral... And meeting Julia or Julia at the funeral, and at that point, kind of realizing that there was another troubled youth that might benefit, you know, benefit from his instruction. I, I mean, it, the it funeral, like pop- the funeral, all the stuff with Jack Pierce. It's a really extended setup to think of some excuse for why Miyagi has to train someone else karate, and it, it works. It works okay. I think you know, relating it to his uh, service in World War II is actually kind of smart. Oh, absolutely. But then they, uh, the the ball is dropped pretty quickly because not only does Hillary Swank have mood swings, she cares for injured hawks on the school rooftops because she is an injured hawk herself. You see, alone. Uh, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor, exactly. No parents. Uh, speaking of the writing, I do want to point out: Next Karate Kid was written by Mark Lee, and um, the first three Karate Kid movies were written by Robert Mark Kamen. So it's a different writer. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if the writing's any worse than Karate Kid 3, as far as dialogue goes, but I think this story leaves a lot to be desired. And uh, and part of it is you got to get used to a whole new cast of characters apart from Miyagi. Mm, yeah, I guess, I guess I just get fixated on Julie's parents being dead, because it just seems like a convoluted backstory. It is. It, it's an, another layer of... Uh, convoluted backstory to an already convoluted backstory. Oh, oh, actually, here's the other thing. You, you mentioned the, the, the hawk. She's, she's taking care of a hawk on the roof of her school. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the I love that apparently the school hates the idea of somebody taking care of a hawk. Maybe it's like an Indiana Jones thing where it's like, oh, that hawk belongs in a nature observatory. A conservatory. <laughs> Observatories. Oh. Conservatories <laughs> wouldn't have hawks, but a conservatory... Or a uh, an aviary. <laughs> the word for the day is aviary. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's so... It, again, they're trying to establish that she is rebellious, and she's such a rebel that she takes care of hawks. I mean, it's, yeah. 
It it's make me it makes me think of the movie Lady Hawk more than anything else, with a Matthew Broderick and a Rucker Hauer. But uh, if only that had a sequel. That that's, that, that's a, a good one. That's it's a fun picture. Um, I'd rather be talking about Lady Hawk, but <laughs> we're talking <laughs> no, about we're next talking about the Forkle Hawk. Yes. Uh, so you know Miyagi kind of forces her to go to school, and her school is kind of rough. There's a bunch of uh, these like meatheads, and they're not part of Cobra Kai. But they might have well have called it Cobra Kai, and I think it might have been yeah. better instead of they're part of this uh, group called the Alpha Elite. But you see, <laughs> if they would have called them as part of the Cobra Kai, like another branch of that dojo. Yeah, maybe like Kreese, would, maybe Kreese was so humiliated at the end of Karate Kid 3, he moved to Boston, and then, oh, me again? <laughs> you know, I don't think he would need a, uh, I mean, Kreese would be welcome. Uh, but I don't think that's necessary. But if they would have just called him Cobra Kai, that could have been something else, a, a nice little throwback to tie into the past movies. But they act the same as the uh, as the punks in Karate Kid Part 3. Except in this movie, alpha. none of the high school students look like high school students. Well, that's a problem that, that still crops up in movies. I just noticed that like, Alpha Lee is just like a, it's, it's a name <laughs> that no group of high school us high schoolers would come up with for themselves unless they were the role-playing club or the comic book club. Yeah, I mean, I almost thought they were part of the uh, R- the ROTC uh, at their school. But, no, they just have a uh, an ex-colonel or a colonel, um, you know, just sort of slapping them around for no good reason. The, the surrogate crease. Yeah, the surrogate crease. Uh, Colonel Dugan is played by Michael Ironside, and I do have to admit that's pretty good casting. Oh no, he plays a great, uh, a great hard ass. They do nothing with it, but um, you know it's appropriate, and you get a pretty neat scene where uh, Dugan is sort of challenging members of the Alpha Elite, these high school kids, to try and beat him up, and he sort of kicks the ass of everyone, and Miyagi shows up to pick. Uh, up Hillary Swank from school. And he notices weird things are going out in the field with Colonel Dugan. And uh, he sort of confronts him. And I think that's probably the best scene in this movie. Mm. It's, it's really great to see those two guys face off. And he doesn't honk his nose. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so, um, kind of like the other Karate Kid movies, this one sort of has a romance. How do you think it works in this one? You know, I I don't even remember the romance. It just it, it, uh, it, it, ain't, it, it ain't much of one. But one of the it members doesn't seem, he doesn't the, seem like a love interest. He just seems like a guy that follows her around. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they talk a lot after school, but they don't really go on on dates or any social activities. It's just sort of a conflict that he's a member of the Alpha Elite, but um, he's not as into it as the other guys, and he's kind of into uh, Hillary Swank. And I guess what gets me the most upset about that whole relationship in the movie, and um, what the guy that she um, has, it's not even a boyfriend, I don't know. His, the character's name is Eric McGowan, and he's played by Chris Conrad. He, at the, towards the end of the movie, when we get there, you know, it almost like, even though you have a female in the lead, you had to have a male part in a karate conflict. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. And, but we'll, we'll get to that uh, when we get to that part. So the movie, it, it starts out okay. I think Miyagi uh, is a softer character in this movie. 
I wouldn't say he's edgy in the original Karate Kid, but you have scenes of him getting drunk and stuff, and he seems a bit more stern. In this one, you have such wonderful pieces of dialogue where in the beginning, Miyagi is uh, offered mashed potatoes from Louisa Pierce, and he turns them down saying, oh, Miyagi no likes potatoes. Miyagi is a rice man. Ah, ha, ha. Yeah, that... that... That really seems out of character, because he, he seems like if he's going to turn on potatoes, in the previous three films, he would have been the type of man who would politely decline, and, and you know, oh, starch bad for Miyagi's digestion, no thank you. You know, as opposed to making a making a, a joke that kind of amounts to Asian people like rice! Yeah, I, I think an element of the Miyagi character is humor, and... They don't get much of a chance for Miyagi to tell jokes in this movie, but so I think they're they're trying. I know. Well, I think that that's kind of goes back to, to you mentioned about Pia, about Miyagi being a bit more sort of seeming a bit more hard or grim in the previous films. That's uh-huh. why his humor works so much. He puts up this very stern facade, but there's a jovial soul inside, and he's in all the previous films. He sort of gently swings back and forth between being that distant stoic mountain of a man to being uh, to being a guy who can tell a good joke. It's Here, almost as if Miyagi is, like, too relaxed through the entire movie. And, yeah. and I enjoy that Pat Morita is clearly liking to play Miyagi again. I, I don't think he put as much into it as in the other pictures. Well, well, it, well, this is something to consider. Is it because he's not putting much into it, or is it because the director isn't working with him to get a good performance? Um, you know, you can blame it on the director, you can blame it on the writing. Like a lot of things, it's a combination, I feel. But again, uh, Next Karate Kid is something on DVD where there's no uh, extra materials except for the trailer. So you don't have much to go on from there as far as research goes, or behind-the-scenes uh, features. So um, one of the funniest moments in Next Karate Kid is not supposed to be funny. It's when Miyagi realizes Julie has a karate potential. She's arguing with Miyagi, runs outside of the house, and a car almost hits her, and she jumps up in like a jump kick position and lands perfectly on the front of the car. Yeah, that that's the scene that is a that scene would have been very cool if it hadn't been in all the trailers and in all the TV ads. I thought that I thought that scene was not cool. I thought it was ridiculous. I'm like, I don't know, you're trying to well, be I guess, organic. I guess when I say cool, I mean visually cool. Uh, yeah, it is it's a different. Story. Yeah, I mean, it, it's different. It's not, some, it's not something you see in a movie every day. Although I, I do like the scene that uh, Julie Pierce and Miyagi have where she talks about her father taught him karate, and karate was something Miyagi had taught her father, or, sorry, her grandfather, Jack Pierce, or, no, wait, so no, no, Jack, the, grand, the, grandfather the grandfather taught her father who taught her. Yeah. Yeah, so. And um, that that's kind of nice. Hillary Swank gets thrown out of school for some reason. Oh, yeah, well, because she, she, she sneaks onto the school property at night to, to check up on the hawk. And how do they catch her? Is it like Miyagi calls the police? Or I'm just trying to... This movie is so forgettable, I can't... No, as I recall, the Alpha Elite has something to do with it. Like they're just hanging around or something. Because it's later when they capture the hawk. Well, the thing the thing about this whole hawk thing that there seems to be a lot of unnecessary hostility and antagonism directed towards the hawk. 
I can, again, I can only speak for myself, but if there had been an injured animal on the grounds of any of the schools I've ever gone to, and it was an animal that students would have been capable of, of helping nurse it nurse back to health, that would have become a school project, and the, and the school would have been involved, and you know, a shop class would have built, a, you know, would have built a shelter for it, and biology classes would be researching diet and you know, getting food together. And and this school, it's like the ah freaking hawk on the roof. What? Someone wants to take care of it. It seems so strange that no one gives a damn about this hawk. I mean, the hawk is, is very much a device in this movie. It, it's sort of like in a. It's a broken winged MacGuffin. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or you know, another move. A term for this thing is like the touchstone. So you could have a movie where a guy uh, has his favorite necklace that his wife bought him. And then at some point in the movie... Why would the, the wife guy, buy her husband the necklace? I don't know. The wife buys her husband a necklace. Well, and at some point, in the, some point in this fictional movie, uh, the bad guy takes off the necklace and stamps on it. And it's it's an object that when stuff happens to it, you're supposed to feel sympathy towards the main character. Yeah. So, but the hawk is a device, but they the hawk is pretty central to the movie. And it's not even like... They could have tied it in with Hilary Swank fighting with a hawk style of karate or something. Yeah, I was about to say a hawk style martial art. I mean, I don't know if there is such a thing, but but you know, everything Rain, else kick. in this movie yeah, is off know. just enough. They could have made so, it up. You could have. but uh, So Miyagi has been... Or, not Miyagi. Uh, Hilary Swank has been expelled from school. So Miyagi, instead of uh, spanking her or something, takes Whoa. her... Instead of giving her a spanking, Miyagi takes her to a Buddhist monastery chock full of monks. It's in Boston. In Boston, right. Or in the outskirts of Boston. To uh, to uh, play, to go bowling. Well, that's one of several things they do. They also teach her inner balance, calm, discipline. It's, uh, the stuff that Miyagi montages. should be teaching her. Yeah, lots of montages. Although there is an extended sequence where Miyagi is teaching Hilary Swank... Uh, about karate in a, what is a Japanese-style stone garden, I guess you could say. Oh, oh yes, yeah, so, like a Zen rock garden. And those things are very intricately laid out, but he just tells Hilary Swank to walk on top of the rock garden and practice jump-kicking from one rock to the other, repeatedly. And um, I understand you're not trying to do the crane kick again, and that sequence is okay, but... All the stuff is shot in close-up, so you never get... If it would have done with the bit uh, wide shots, with it zoomed out a little bit more, and you could have seen her fail, like, with her actually doing the stunt, or with the stunt woman doing the stunt. I think it might well, have had a little bit of impact. You know what, though? Like, seeing... I, 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 have a, I have two sort of hunches. One, either the director and the camera, director of photography or the director did not know what they were doing and decided to film what should have been a very physically active sequence in close-ups, or they did film it where you could see her jumping around and, and possibly making mistakes and failing, and they thought it looked unpleasant. They, 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 they were worried that, that either they didn't like it or they were worried the audience wasn't going to like watching a young, an attractive young woman fall on a rock even if it is part of her, her learning process and becoming a stronger person. I mean, speaking of the director of this, Christopher Kane, the most notable picture he he's done in his career, besides uh, Next Karate Kid, was the amazing panda adventure from 1995, or Gone <laughs> Fishing, 
uh, from 97, which I think had Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Yep. Yes, now, it did. Now, the uh, cinematographer of Next Karate Kid is someone actually kind of famous. He's uh, dead now. But uh, Laszlo Kovacs... Oh, yes. ...has been a cinematographer for movies such as uh, the first Ghostbusters movie. He also did um, Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home. But on a more serious note, he's done Martin Scorsese movies like New York, New York. He did the Warren Beatty movie, Shampoo, uh, Paper Moon. Uh, Oh, he's a... What's He's up, a, Doc? That's another Warren Beatty film. An excellent cinematographer. Five easy pieces, sure. So, I mean, he he's a real uh, workhorse. He's done quite a lot. He did quite a lot over his career as a cinematographer. According to Internet Movie Database, was a cinematographer on 75 different films. So, uh, with that being said, I don't think Next Karate Kid has any like real pretty shots of the landscape like you got in some of the first three films. Yeah, I actually, I, this is actually something I, I also remember from, from my experiences with this film. Uh, I had an aunt that lived in Boston uh, for, for many years. We went up and visited her up there, you know, three times in my youth. And then I also had, uh, also have relatives live up there now. And in fact, I was in Boston as recently as two years ago. The, and this does not look like Boston. no. I uh, I worked in uh, Waltham, Massachusetts for a summer, I think, in 2004, and um, uh, but which is right near Boston. And when I think of Boston, I think of brick buildings and a lot. Oh of, hell yeah! Yeah, and also uh, you know some uh, some kind of like steep roads and things, and a, and a subway, and I don't know. It's it's a fun little city, or it's not a little city. Where am I going with this? It's, it's it doesn't it's look a, like it does in this picture. It's a rich and storied city. Yeah, yeah and this is like. This is like they went up to to Toronto, to a suburb of Toronto, and used that as a substitute or stand in for Boston. I'm sure that's what they did. I mean, mm. I guess I can see why they said it on the East Coast. Is you think of all of those um, World War Two, or there's really like the huge, large cemeteries are all on the East Coast. You don't have that many big cemeteries on the West Coast. Which, which is a shame. There's really nothing beats a cemetery you can just walk around in all day and all night. In uh, Portland, Oregon, where I live, we have a, a cemetery that, it isn't huge, but it is outdoors, and it has a lot of uh, graves of um, people from Russia. And on the gravestones, you see computerized printouts of the person's face right on the tombstone. What, like engraved on the tombstone? Or t- no, it's like... Transferred somehow from a photograph. Oh, it's, oh no! It's got it's got to be a special engraving technique. It looks like a flat image, though. I mean, it's not. It's very strange. It's something I'm not used to seeing. I could probably tell you how it's done, but I need I need to see a photo and use my graphic design knowledge. See, the next Karate Kid is such a great film that we're talking about gravestones instead of yeah. We the, uh, we, we to a certain extent we would rather talk about dead Russians than a movie from 1994. We got thirty more minutes. Let's power through this. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, we've got an animated series to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that. So maybe we can wrap up next Friday, kid, and talk about the cartoon. Uh, <laughs> so in this, there is so many montages in the sequence where she's with the monks that um, I don't know. It's just killing time. Uh, what do you think about the music in this movie? There's a lot of pop music that was actually popular at the time in this film. Well, I guess I guess that's the uh, with the previous three Karate Kid films, 
they didn't go overboard with integrating any kind of pop music. They're, they each just had sort of, with the exception of one or two scenes in, in Karate Kid 3, they each just had sort of one signature pop song that the film would, would call back to. Uh, I, I would think with, with the next Karate Kid, it just, it just overdoes it. It's just a way to cram more songs on the soundtrack so that you have one more piece of merchandising you can get out there. And yet, in the end credits, you have this song that uh, wasn't done for this movie. Um, oh, how does it go? Is it, you gotta be wise, you gotta be tough, you gotta be strong? You gotta be fast, yeah. you gotta be strong, you gotta be that one. Right, yeah. And um, even though it's not done for this movie, it certainly fits the Karate Kid. Well, until you get to love and save the day. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure that exactly was. Maybe not, but uh, I don't know. That that was That's an okay song, I think, for this kind of movie, but... It's what it's what you'd expect, I suppose. Although if you really if you really wanted a, 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 a just a real pumping song for an empowered woman, they should have gone with something by the Runaways. Anything by the Runaways, yeah. Cherry Bomb uh, <laughs> <laughs> would not work for next Karate Kid. Uh, so after all these endless montages. Julie has to go back to school, but there's like a dance, and Miyagi teaches her how to dance, sort of. Which he apparently has always known how to do. Which reminds me of a, a scene earlier in the film where Miyagi just walks in on uh, Hilary Swank dressing. She's only in her bra and like pants, oh, and she's really yeah. shocked. And she and and <laughs> Miyagi's excuse is, "Oh, I, for many years I lived with a friend, Danielson." And we were two guys. We could walk in on each other, no problem. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> that kind of works, but it it doesn't work. Because as men, we have all experienced that at various points in our lives. The people we can be comfortable enough to just be, to just, you know, bump into each other naked uh, with. But <laughs> you, you can't say, you can't say that if you walk in on a woman naked, you can't say that and have it make sense. Actually, as I recall, doesn't he do kind of a mug in that scene as well? He does a bit of the eye popping. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. oh, it, that is that he is shakes his head. <laughs> it's a uh, again, you're trying to do comedy into the character. It almost seems kind of kind of creepy. I'm sure it's been a while since Miyagi's been with a woman. Well, well, it's like he's regressing <laughs> into the butler from Auntie Mame. <laughs> it's a it, it's an embarrassing scene both for Miyagi and for the audience. I mean, God, this movie. Oh, but crap. hey, we have so so we have a school, we have we have karate punks, and we have a dance. So I'm getting a lot of echoes from the original Karate Kid. Sure, and I, I, that has to be intentional, but intentionally lazy. Oh, well, very lazy, and I don't know. You're you're trying to make us care about this character as much as Daniel, but Daniel was a lot more sympathetic. He had a little bit of an edge to him. He lived with a single mom. He was Hil- a fish out of water. A fish out of water, right. Hillary Swank seems um, very stuck up, kind of a bitch, and likes to take care of a hawk in her free time. I mean, she she's very strange, very weird. They don't really go into that either. About Well, if this, if this was a teen romance, she'd be the character with glasses and a ponytail that would take off the glasses and undo the ponytail and suddenly turn out to be the most beautiful person in the world. This movie's frustrating because the idea of a Karate Kid movie where he has to teach a woman in, a, in and of itself is not 
too bad of an idea. It's derivative, it's lazy, say what you will. But you could do something with that. And uh, But they don't. They just get montage-heavy, get really lazy. And uh, the end of the film, I, I think, is quite weird. Because all of a sudden it focuses on uh, on Eric, the guy she chats up earlier in the movie. Yeah. And it's almost like they would have rather done a movie about another guy having a conflict, being in kind of a gain, wanting to get out of it. Which I think is a more interesting plot than what they follow in Next Karate Kid. Regrettably, yes. Yeah, I guess that there's, there is a, a real distinct lack of ambition in this film. I mean, all the previous Karate Kid films did did there was something there was something very much at stake at the end besides the progression of the characters. Whether it was the the outcome of the tournament, the fate of the Okinawan village, the fate of the flower shop, and another kung fu or another <laughs> uh, karate tournament in the third one. Yeah. It's uh, but I mean, just that the main conflict in the end is between Eric and the rest of the members of the Alpha Elite. Just comes up as weird because they spend so little time with the character, and you kind of have Miyagi and uh, Hillary Swank running at the last second. Yeah, it, it doesn't quite work, even though she uses karate that she's learned, and ultimately you have a fight between Miyagi and Colonel Dugan, which is. It's okay, but at the end of the film, uh, I just didn't give a shit about anything that happened. This movie is a total waste of my time. <laughs> you know, I think this may be the, the very first time in the sequel cast where anyone has written off a movie as a complete waste of time, but if any movie's going to earn it, of all the things we've seen, uh, it would probably be this unambitious sequel. Yeah, I mean, this is... The next Karate Kid is worse than uh, Battle for Planet of the Apes. It is... I, I don't know if next Karate Kid is worse than Beverly Hills Cop 3. That's... Mm, I don't know, but it, it's... Maybe we might have to have a, a, a sequel off where we, where we watch those back-to-back and compare them. No. Oh. <laughs> so, and any last thoughts on next Karate Kid so we can talk about the cartoon? Um, well, actually, I was curious, because this is the one thing that we haven't talked about. Um, where, uh, when did you first see this film? Uh, watching it for this um, podcast, for the sequel cast. You're, I, you're very lucky. Uh, yeah, I, I, had, I, I, had, <laughs> I had never seen Next Karate Kid before. I, I was aware of it when I came out. I was in middle school at the time. But, um, yeah, before well, doing these series of movies for this show, I had only seen the first two Karate Kid movies. Yeah, in my case, I had seen this. You ever when you were, when you were young? Did you ever were you ever in those circumstances where uh, your parents, their your parents, their friends would be having some sort of party or get together, but they're all from a generation and a societal niche where they all have kids, so they all bring their kids, but no one really realizes that the kids are, aren't are going to want something to do beyond hang around uh, a house full of chatty adults. That's where I first saw this film. So they pop a videotape into the VCR. Yeah, they to had keep a, the kids well, busy. Yeah. Um, sure. in, in essence, yes, and like, I, I, and you have to understand, I'm a little bit, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a bastard, um, and I don't like being forced to hang out with people I don't know, and I hate being in those situations where small talk is expected, even when I was a kid. 
So I'm in. So so yeah, I'm in. I'm in a room with a bunch of people I don't know and I I I don't particularly like watching a very bad movie. And then it turns out sodas aren't allowed in that room, so my sprite is taken away. Hmm. No, nope. you know, like if, if your house is going to have rules, you really should let the guests know. And also, if it turns out the guest uh, is not abiding by a rule they've never been informed of, why not simply inform them of it? Why not ask me to take the the sprite somewhere else? Why not? Uh, why not, you know, be classy and just point it out and trust me to take the sprite somewhere else? Why not ask me to take the sprite somewhere else? Don't just take it from my hand, woman who I don't know. My yeah, sp- and I don't know. I mean, it's in there. It's my sprite. I remember. I remember the sprite incident more than I remember this movie. You know, that reminds me of a story not related to the Karate Kid, where um, I don't. Did you ever have this? Where during the summer, your local elementary school would have kind of a fake summer camp thing. I guess it's something yeah, that your yeah. parents could send you to go to, right? So I went to this. Uh, this whole summer, it was really not entertaining. It was mostly they had kids doing jazzercise. Uh, but sometimes they put on a movie, and they put on a movie, uh, Grease. Oh, wow. Yeah, for, uh, for, for third graders, uh, third and fourth <gasps> graders. They put on Grease, a musical, that has, that. I... a musical that has the lyrics, uh, it's going to make the girls cream, I believe. <laughs> so, um, I, as a kid, I'm watching the opening credits of Grease. And I see it's animated, and I'm excited. Oh, this is a cartoon. I like cartoons. And then it stops being a cartoon, and I'm terribly disappointed with the rest of a picture. Yeah, that that that's uh, that Greece is something you do have to be uh, older to appreciate, then even older to realize why you shouldn't appreciate it, then a little bit older to realize well, it does have its own merits. It, it's a film that benefits greatly from nostalgia, and not knowing who Olivia Newton-John is. Yep. I have I have said some terrible things this episode. I, I I apologize. Oh, that's okay. It's next Karate Kid. That movie talking about that movie pushes people to say a lot of things. Um, well, I guess I guess that would be a good time to mention that there was one other uh, Karate Kid property between Karate Kid Three and the next Karate Kid. There was a Karate Kid animated television series. There was. It only lasted for uh, one season. Oh yeah, and. Although it hasn't been released on DVD, you can watch it online on uh, Hulu.com for free. I believe it's on Netflix Instant Streaming as well. It is, and it's also, uh, you can watch for free through um, Internet Movie Database. Or you can buy it on iTunes. Why you would pay money for this when you can watch it for free legally through those other ways? I don't know. But, because um, there's one born every minute, Uncle Milkshake. There's one born every minute. Yeah, if you can make money with it, I guess you can... Anyway... <laughs> So, I mean, this TV series came out around the same time as Karate Kid 3, and it's it's not really related to the movies, other than featuring Daniel-san and, uh... And Miyagi. Yeah, it's... And there was, an, has, Asian, there was an Asian chick, who's different yeah, from had, the girl in the second movie. Time. But, yeah, like the whole the whole premise is, like, there's a... There's a, a, a Japanese shrine which contains some sort of spiritual power... And the short of it is that Miyagi and Daniel and the woman are trying to trying to trying to track it down and get it back. So they're uh, they're traveling the world. Every episode begins with them entering a place, uh, some some town somewhere on Earth, where they track the shrine to. They have an adventure uh, trying to get the shrine back, and then at the end of every damn episode, 
the shrine gets away from them. Like a hawk picks it up and flies away with it or, you know, or whatnot. But like the, the two that always bothered me, um, one, maybe the shrine wants to be free and it's orchestrating these things that keep getting it stolen and lost. Maybe they should just, the shrine knows where it needs to be. Maybe they should just leave it alone. The other one though, there was, uh, there was an episode I don't remember anything about the episode except this ending because it ticked me off. Um, they were, like, fighting on a cliff. Uh, and and you have to understand, this is pre-Batman the Animated Series. Or, no, I'm sorry, this is, like, maybe around the time of the Batman Animated Series. This is around the time when Saturday morning animation was getting kicked up about three notches. And this show couldn't complete. So when I say they're fighting, they're having really poorly animated fist jabs uh, on top of a cliff. Uh, and the shrine falls off the cliff, goes down a waterfall, goes in a river, and washes out to sea. And it ends with them on the beach, you know, looking at the shrine being washed away. Like, well, looks like we're off on another adventure. we got to follow that to the east or wherever it's going. Don't any of the characters know how to swim? It's not so... F- if it's far enough that you can clearly see it, you could dive into the water, grab it, and bring it back. It's not as if the ocean was that choppy. You know, I think had this cartoon come out a few years earlier... It uh, probably would have lasted more than one year, just because mm, yeah. of the popularity of Karate Kid in general. And um, even though I could not make it through a single episode of this thing, uh, I, w- I will say it does have more action in it than any of the movies do, if you're looking at percentage of action to how long the episode is. Uh, and Robert Ito does a very nice um, take on Miyagi in this cartoon. That's true. That's true. Actually, I think... I, I do remember as a kid, I think I thought it was Pat Morita. Yeah, it's a very nice um, imitation. And um, I, I can see why they would set the animated show in different locations all over the world. Because if they just stayed in that little town in California and always dealt with the Cobra Kai every episode, that's not very exciting. No, I think I think the globetrotting angle was a really good idea. Uh, it's just... I. The, the MacGuffin seemed kind of forced. Yeah. I think, you know what it probably would I would have liked more is if they did it like in the Jackie Chan adventures, where instead of one thing they're constantly chasing, there's like eight things, and the, the ownership of them is constantly changing. I think that would have moved things pretty nicely. Yeah, but didn't um, the Jackie Chan uh, cartoon have more of a supernatural angle? Yes, yeah. The, the supernatural stuff was happening all the time in the Jackie Chan adventures. In, in the in the Karate Kid animated series, I think the shrine was the only supernatural thing. And as I recall, I only recall it ever doing two supernatural things. In one episode, it exhibited like healing properties, and in another episode, for some convoluted reason, they're fighting a guy with a katana, and they have the shrine... And the shrine falls down, the katana falls on the shrine, and somehow all the shrine's energy gets transferred to the katana, and now the katana can cut through anything. So now they need to get the katana and the shrine so they can transfer the energy back, which gets transferred back in a complete accident when the uh, sword falls on top of the shrine. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I think the cartoon, The Karate Kid, is no better or no worse than a lot of what you had at the time. Uh, I'm just thankful that we live in an age where where American animation has really matured. Yeah, I I do think some of the animation in the uh, the theme song sequence is okay. Like as as was the case in a lot of those shows, they spent their money 
for the 30-second theme song to grab your kid's attention. And the rest of it looked like shit, but the beginning looks okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're always waiting to see something that cool, whether it's a transformation sequence or, <laughs> or something. <laughs> so There's a promise of an animation explosion that's very rarely realized. I mean, you know, the show, I, the cartoon I think of that reminds me of that the most is uh, Ninja Turtles, the, uh, the original one from the 80s or 90s, uh, had a really detailed animated opening. And the first four episodes were animated in Japan on a really big budget. Oh, yeah, the animation in those first four or five episodes is amazing. And also the first four or five episodes kind of tell one continuous little story arc, which is something the show never really did too much as it went on. And the yeah. animation got cheaper and cheaper. And uh, But the that Ninja Turtles cartoon, the original one, went on for ten seasons. It really lasted, uh, it, it, amazingly enough, and then, and I think it, I think it, it took less than a year for the animated series to get canceled and for that live action series by Saban to crop up. And I mean, what's what's really crazy is the uh, the newer Ninja Turtles series, which is also called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that premiered in two thousand three. That oh, thing lasted, yeah, that thing list lasted for seven seasons, so. Yeah, it's, it's a property that cannot be put down. I mean, it really has a lot of staying power. And in fact, they did a crossover cartoon called Turtles Forever that featured the Ninja Turtles from the 80s show teaming up with the Ninja Turtles from the newer animated series. How? Why was I not informed? I would totally watch that. It's a 2009, it was a made-for-TV animated movie, and it was sort of a celebration of the 25th anniversary of the Ninja Turtles as a franchise, but it's, it has a storyline that wraps up the um, the storyline of the 2003 uh, animated series. And the poster oh. says, sometimes four Ninja Turtles just aren't enough. So, uh, Eastman and Laird, you have unleashed titans upon this earth. I, I have a hunch the Turtles are going to be with us more or less consistently for the next several decades. If past behavior is anything to go by. Didn't Eastman sell off his part of the rights? Um, I'm pretty sure he... I don't believe he did. It's just that, that you know, East Eastman has... Well, both Eastman and Laird have, have kind of, except for very special occasions, have kind of been hands-off with the Ninja Turtles, but only because they've been working on their own things. Uh, Kevin Eastman... Uh, is of course he's in charge of the heavy metal, the uh, adult illustrated fantasy magazine. Yeah, he he really brought that magazine back from the brink and and does a lot of amazing stuff through that and their graphic novels and and uh, he and his wife Julie Strange show up in a lot of films. Um, Laird Laird has always been very very quiet. Uh, although interestingly enough, with you know all the money he made off the Ninja Turtles, he actually started a grant for people trying to make uh, graphic novels. I mean, he's really trying to support the art form of the comic book. Now, this is really cool. Nothing to do with Karate Kid, but more with uh, Ninja Turtles. In Very this, little we've talked yeah. about tonight. <laughs> in, in this Turtles Forever, uh, uh, you know, direct-for-TV animated thing, there's also a sequence in there where the black-and-white uh, Ninja Turtles from the original 87 uh, comic strip join in the fun. Oh, damn! It's, uh... <laughs> oh, that's got to be kick-ass. It, it's... Too exciting for words. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, look, here, look at this picture. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> listeners, look at this picture. 
great radio. Uh, <laughs> but um, but in all in all seriousness, um, Milkshake, we're so inspired by Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Should we do the Ninja Turtles on our next cycle of films? Well, you know that's my question. I think it's your turn, Thrasher, since you're the only other person here. Because I picked <laughs> Rambo. Uh, Karate Kid was a suggestion of a, a fan of the show, Russell. And oh, um, so it's your turn. You can pick what we do for our next series of films. You know, I I think I would like to do I, I would like I would like to do Ninja Turtles, provided we do the three live action films uh-huh. and then do we do we then want to do the original animated pilot and this movie, or do we just want to do one episode about all the animation? Um, I think we can do one episode about all the animation and start off, we can briefly mention the uh, a theatrical movie called uh, TMNT. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like Pokemon meet Ninja Turtles. Um, well, <laughs> save it for the episode, Uncle Milchick. Did you see the picture I sent you? That's pretty cool. Yes, yes, a very nice guy. L- listeners, uh, this is a fantastic, fantastic picture. It looks amazing. There's there's stuff going down in this picture like you wouldn't believe. Okay, so um, <laughs> next episode of the sequel cast, uh, we can do it next week, can't we? Um, I yes, I believe so. I won't be in Florida until the end of the month. Okay, so next episode of sequel cast next week, we're going to be talking about the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from nineteen ninety. What? Uh, the Jim Henson Studios. Yeah, Jim Henson did the work on the Turtles. And I'll, I'll tell a story. Here's a teaser. I'll tell a story next episode of how, at a convention, I got to have lunch with the man that did the fight choreography for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live-action movie. Well, very cool. And he had some interesting things to say about how do you do fight choreography with these life-size puppets where they only have three fingers. <laughs> well, two fingers and a thumb if you want to get technical. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, final thoughts on Next Karate Kid. I, I'm not sure I want to think about this movie too much more. The poster's really cool, and yet the poster the looks poster like... The poster with her jump kicking? Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. And yet when I look at that poster... I, it looks, in my mind, it looks more like the cover for the novelization of the movie than it does the theatrical poster. <laughs> Even though oftentimes they're the same thing, it just looks more like a book cover to me. I can see that. I mean, I think the image of her jump kicking is nice, although... Mm, does she know. do that in the movie? She does the whole jump kicking thing from rock to rock. Oh, but then yeah. when she gets into a fight with members of the Alpha Elite, she gets sand thrown in her face and doesn't really do that good of a job. She kind of gets knocked out pretty quickly. What? No, no, she she doesn't get knocked up. That would be a totally different fight sequence. She gets knocked down. That's what that's what the sequel to this should have been. <laughs> Son of the next Karate Kid, <laughs> or kid of the next Karate Kid. The next Karate Kid's kid. Karate next of kin. <laughs> <laughs> the poster just says Hillary Swank with a big uh, pregnant belly, and it says, "Guess who?" <laughs> Guess who's preggers? <laughs> sure, it, should be, it should be like, guess who's going to enter the ring? You know? <laughs> and you see, and instead of the baby bump, you see kind of the outline of a jump kick. Of a crane a fist. Kick, a, a fist tearing well, through the pregnant woman's belly. 
oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, but, you know, actually, along those lines, like, I've been trying to come up with a porno title for this movie, and none of them are working. For next Karate Kid or just Karate Kid? Well, yeah, next Karate Kid or Karate Kid, either one. Because, like, the sex Karate Kid sounds kind of, dis- sounds not just kind of, but very disturbing. You know, I'm thinking of the Karate Cunt. I was thinking, like, like if, if there's a way to make it, like, Karate, like, hottie. The, kar- the Karate Hottie. That's what it should be, the Karate Hottie. The, the Bukake kid, kid? Yeah, the next Bukake Kid. Perfect. Uh... Star- starring, st- starring Pat Morita. Oh... Or Pat Moore Eater, yeah. The wax is on, it never goes off. <laughs> that's, oh, this is terrible. Is there another title ladies, that's better? Ladies and gentlemen, don't watch this movie. Is there another title that's better for a porno parody than uh, The Bukake Kid? If you have suggestions, send them to... <laughs> Sequelcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com, yes. Uh, we'll read them on the air. Jeez. I don't want to think of a poster image for that. Oh my god. Leave that to me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh man, Jersey Jason doesn't know what he's missing. <laughs> no, I think he does. I think that's why he's not on this episode. Um, <laughs> too true, too true. So next week on Sequel Cast, tune in to hear us talk about the uh, Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles film from uh, 89, I believe. This is Uncle It'll Milkshake. Be a, It'll be a whole different shell game. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is Uncle Milkshake. And Thrasher. Saying. It's <laughs> not good to fight, but if we must fight, win. Miyagi is a rice man. Oh, oh. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Cascadia.fm online. Internet streaming radio. You can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com.